I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Bitches on Comics and happy holidays. I'm your host, Essie Flinor. I'm your host, Sarah Century, and happy, happy holidays as well from me. And also, happy holidays to Stephanie Williams, who is our guest today. I'm back. Yes, you are. Yes. You are now, well, you've changed every time. So now <laughs> you are a Marvel writer. Go figure, right? Go figure. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, the reason why I say that is because, um, like, a few of the editors follow me on Twitter, and I didn't realize that until after the fact. I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, y'all have seen my tweets and you still said, let's, <laughs> let's reach out to her. Um, so that is pretty cool. I will not downplay it at all. I would be lying to you all if I said I did not lose my shit when I got the email. Because originally I was like, oh, my God, they're finally going to sue me. It wasn't that. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, maybe they want me to, like, write an article or something like that that will possibly never see the light of day. It wasn't that. Um, and I continued reading. And I was like, marvelous butts. I'm like, wait. <laughs> so. <laughs> like, are they going to sue me about marvelous butts? I was like, I know I've talked about, you know, Venom and Peter Parker's asses a lot. But <laughs> guys, what's going on? So was that. And then they brought up Parenthood Activate. And I was like, oh, wait, you guys are really talking about the comic aspect. And I was like, OK, cool. I would love to write a story for the upcoming uh, Marvel Voices in uh, February. So I got that. I immediately replied. I'm lying. I had the email, but I was like, play it cool. So I waited <laughs> like 45 minutes and then I emailed them back. And I was like, yes, I'd be honored. And I kid you not, like 
maybe an hour or two later, the story came to me. So I'm going to be writing about Monica Rambeau and her mom with special guests, Thor and She-Hulk. I don't know how I finagled that. but My two like, favorite beefy-armed people. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the so, arms. And I was so happy about it. And then I explained to them, like, you know, why I want to include them in the story. They were like, oh, you really know your things. Because originally they were like, hey, do you need any, like... Past, you know, like past issues on Monica or any of that. I'm like, <laughs> you all don't know, but let me tell you. You're um, like, I have a better collection than you do. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I literally said, I was like, I actually have Amazing Spider-Man Annual uh, 16 in like a frame. Like I stand down Monica Rambeau and I'm like, this is why I want to use She-Hulk and Thor and the whole thing. And they were like, yes, please absolutely do that. So, um, I'm really excited. I am. Um, at first, I thought I was going to like freeze up and because you know how it is. Like you finally get an opportunity to do something that you thought you've wanted to do for a long time. Then it comes <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. Wait, what? Like <laughs> now like, I have can to I, do it. Now, now I have to do it. But no, it was nothing like that. It felt like it did when I was writing um, Living Heroes. And that's pretty much the way I treated it. Um, so I feel really good about it. I think you guys are going to love the the story it's only two issues but not two issues well let me speak that into existence because <laughs> i'm like a monica rambo miniseries but it's only two pages um but thankfully i've gotten a lot of practice and trying to cram a lot and just a short amount of pages so look at the universe actually doing things mm, no one deserves it more you know that's the truth stuff like you have been researching, thinking about making goofs about comics forever. And you worked your ass off to launch Parenthood Activate and to launch But What If Though. Like you said, sometimes the universe feels right. And it feels so right that this is happening for you. It does. And thank you so much. And like, I don't even feel imposter syndrome. And a lot of times I do feel that. But like, I just feel none of that because... Like you just said, like I've been doing this for so long or like preparing for it for so long that it just feels very natural. And I'm thankful for that because not even going to act like these opportunities come around like like they should come around like they do, but they don't. Um, and I'm just really grateful to finally get a chance to say, hey, uh, look at me officially screwing with your face. And if they <laughs> allow me, I will continue to do it and um, I will never stop. And also, it's just nice because I haven't had to, you know, like dilute myself in any kind of way. And like I can like I know that I was reached out to because of the work that I've done. Um, and it's just been me. Um, and that feels really good because I know sometimes, um, unfortunately, a lot of us have to kind of forego a little bit of who we are in order to catch the attention of, you know, these bigger corporations or whatever. So mm -hmm. as a queer black woman to be able to do that like that just um it means a lot and I don't take that lightly at all yeah it's a huge deal what the best so excited um everybody needs to buy Marvel Voices when is the release date for it I don't you know what Sometime. I should know that it's gonna be in <laughs> February um oh yeah. it's either January or February but yeah, yeah. Marvel Voices, number one, put it on your pull list right now. Go fucking call your comic book store and put it on your... Pause the episode. Pause <laughs> it. Pause it. Go do it. And then come back. Yes, Because please. we've got some fun stuff in store. <laughs> uh, what do we have in store, Essie? <laughs> uh, we have... <laughs> I'm 
so ah, I'm so wound up. I'm just like so excited for Steph. I can't calm down. Yeah, yeah. It's so exciting. <laughs> oh, it's just like, you know, life is full of just watching people you know deserve greatness get shit on and it's like not happening. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. So um, although I know there've been bumps along the way. Uh, yeah, so we're super pumped. We love Steph, and Steph is, she's a guest, she's a friend, she's a host, she's part of Bitches on Comics, as you know, listener. And so we said, hey, Steph, what do you want to talk about for the holidays? And Steph said, you know what I want to talk about? The Static Shock Holiday Special, which is called Froze Out, I believe, and I believe it's in season two, maybe episode five. Mm-hmm. Do oh, any wow. of you have that? You are, you're on your, no, yeah. you're on your oh, shit. Oh, damn. Sometimes it works. You know, sometimes the pot doesn't, like, erase everything. <laughs> um, it's not always, but sometimes. sometimes. It does. <laughs> Trust um, me, I and, know. Like, what a fun episode. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's deep, it's serious, it's, like, real, and it's so beautiful. So, Steph, when did you first see it? Why did you choose it? Just say some things with me. <laughs> so uh, a very long time ago when it was originally airing on, I think, WB Kids, I remember watching this episode and like thinking I was in for, you know, like a really fun, goofy time. And that is not at all what happened. Um, I just remember loving the episode, but also kind of being moved to tears because Dwayne McDuffie just has that ability about himself. Or actually, did he write this episode? No, actually, Dwayne didn't even actually write this episode. It was um, Lynn Yuli. So, wow, shout out to them. The creation of the character, right? Like, really did, like, set the tone for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. His vibes are on it, right? Like, Oh, it's all over the place. And Dwayne McDuffie actually influences a lot of my writing um, and just the way that I view superheroes, period, because, you know, they are not police officers, even though I know some folks try to make that connection um, because the difference is uh, or the difference should be. uh, These are people who have these extraordinary powers who want to do good in the world. They're not being paid for it or any of that. They're just doing what they feel is right. And sometimes mistakes happen and Static actually learns that, um, you know, not to judge uh, right away and understand that everybody is going through something. So uh, you have to meet people where they are and just kind of keep that in mind. I just think it's just a beautiful message. And also the fact that it does such a beautiful job of explaining something that is so horrific and should not be happening, but does, um, which is homelessness and definitely um, children being homeless uh, during this time. So it's not that whole, you should feel bad but also this should make you feel good because that's not your situation it's a hey you need to consider this um and just kind of remember that you know your fellow man is doing the best that they can and you need to extend grace whenever you have the opportunity to do so yeah I thought that this was a very interesting episode I'm pretty sure I watched it as a kid I think I watched this episode as it was coming out because I was watching a lot of Static Shock at that time. And this episode resonates a lot. I later would experience being an unsheltered person, right? Like mm-hmm. that was something that happened to me in life. So I thought that it was really interesting the way that they talk about it, because also I've done like a lot of volunteer work and things like that at like mm-hmm. shelters and all of that. And I thought that it was interesting 
this one in specific because it's like they actually talk to somebody who like works at a place like that to get this perspective or something like that because the way that they talk about it isn't at all blaming, right? Like they're very, they emphasize that not only can you not blame somebody, but that sometimes people have like mental illness issues that Mm -hmm. they don't have any medication for and things like that. So to me, there was so much in this episode where I was like, this is so much more advanced than a lot of when I hear people in 2020 talk about this stuff, you know? So it was like, I don't know, I was really impressed watching it back because I'm sure I remember it, you know, from a while ago. But then watching it today, I was just like, oh, wow, it's kind of interesting. Well, yeah, Sarah, I, I think you're right. Like, it, it's remarkable to see even like the multiculturalism in like the first couple of lines, yeah. you know, uh, Vir- Virgil, Virgil? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Virgil is like, oh, I got to go to this Kwanzaa celebration. I'm at a Hanukkah celebration. Then right. I got to go to yeah. a, you know, Christmas Eve. And then there was like a fourth one. And I was just like, this is so beautiful. Just to acknowledge like other faiths exist. That feels like radical in 2020. <laughs> and it certainly was in like 2002, I think, when this came out, right? Like it's a very beautiful, beautiful episode. Yeah, I think so. And it tracks for the series, too, because the entire series in itself is actually some of the best um, programming, period. I wouldn't even say children's programming. It's just really good. Mm. It's not preachy, which I think Mm -hmm. you had said, Steph, but I think that's just true of the show. It's like not a preachy show, but it is very revelatory. It's not afraid to like pull back the layers and be like, hey, what's going on? And I think that that's what's so cool about the way this episode's structured too. You know, it starts with like a pretty typical superhero trying to stop the bad guy kind of thing. And then it cracks that open and is like, okay, but who is the quote unquote bad guy? What, What is this person living with? It's just so nuanced. That's what I think is really exciting about it. You know, next week, listeners, you'll get to hear Sarah and I giggle our heads off as we talk about the Batman Christmas specials, which have like <laughs> no substance. <laughs> yeah. At all. They're good, but they do not have any substance and they are not about anything. Um, they're delightful for sure. But they're also like, I just remember you saying this, Sarah, you were like, I love superheroes idea of Christmas because they are like, this is the meaning of Christmas, but it's like putting Catwoman in jail. And you're just like, how is that the meaning of Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's such a funny thing. But like, then I watch this and I'm like, no, Static Shock knows what, what Christmas and the holidays are about, you know? Yeah. It's about caring about other people, which is like, why is that so mind blowing? <laughs> Seriously, Virgil is like the only superhero who knows the meaning of Christmas. And like actually learn something too. I love that he is this young kid. He's still growing and learning things. And I love how... Just the entire series in itself just allows him to do that. It's not a, hey, I have these powers, so I'm perfect or anything like that. It's like, I'm still trying to figure things out. And I love that he has those moments where he gets essentially humbled, but reacts the way that he does. Because this episode could have went sideways. Oh, yeah. Someone else was like writing it. It could have just been like a hot ass mess, but it's not. And I still can't even believe like how nuanced and how good it is for a children's show. And I think sometimes people forget like some of the best lessons happen in children's shows because of the care that is put in trying to explain this to a child. And then like you become an adult and it's just like, well, here, uh, this person <laughs> did bad. Let's lock them up. And it's like, well, no, let, let's talk about it. Like, how did they get here? And 
how does that relate to you? And like, what does it mean to have empathy? What does it mean to have sympathy? Like all of that is just wrapped up in this. And it's probably a reason why I watch this Christmas uh, episode every single year. Like before we had DC Universe, I'm happy we do because now I don't have to like get my (laughs) computer a virus trying to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did that with the X-Men uh, Christmas yeah. special last year. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, God, I am listening to this, and this is all chipmunk voices. This cannot be the right episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just keep thinking about how much homelessness has been criminalized, even, like, in Denver, where I'm based, you know, just the ways that people proverbially and literally, you know, abuse and spit upon the poor and and, and the homeless in particular. And to see Virgil have to confront homeless children, to see him have to to see a mother who's like holding a baby, right? Mm -hmm. And is like, hey, come here, let me show you where where this quote-unquote bad guy lives. And, you know, they walk down this ice tunnel uh, that's like five feet away from where she was standing, which is like pretty funny. Uh, but they go down the ice tunnel and then it's like, oh my gosh, like this uh, metahuman has all these powers, can't control them very well, is clearly deeply traumatized. Mm-hmm. And and you see Virgil's heart just kind of open a little bit more. And that's just like, what? I, I, this is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like the way that you win in this episode is not by punching at all, right? Mm -hmm. Like he definitely has to emotionally reach out and actually listen to this girl. And that whole scene too, whenever she's just like, nobody cares if you're a homeless person. And he's just like, yeah, I've been guilty of that. And like, he's just Mm -hmm. completely honest about it and doesn't try to evade any responsibility. Like he's trying to step up. And I think that that's just so unheard of kind of like that narrative that's just like, hey, this superhero is here and like he's actually just going to be a member of his community, right? And like help the person who is the most in need of help at this moment. While also, you know, trying to like juggle all of the other stuff that he has going on and like wanting to do right in his personal life, but also taking the time to reach out to somebody who he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. I think that all of that was pretty profound. And this is how you abolish the police in your superhero narratives. Yes. By remembering the fact that these are people who, um, you know, have these power sets or whatever, but again, um, are choosing to help their, their communities. They're not, because I wouldn't even call them like civil servants because you're not paying, they're not getting paid or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're just doing something out of the, the kindness or moral fabric or whatever of their being. Because like here in Charlotte, the unsheltered people's population has risen dramatically. I was coming from, I think like North Charlotte. So I had to like pass through Uptown and I kid you not, like there is an entire tent community. Like it threw me off. I originally thought that, I don't know what, like a circus or something was in town. Like that's how many tents there were. Um, There's an entire tent community. And it's just really sad because... You have all of these other infrastructures and things going up and just kind of like, I don't, for the life of me, I just cannot understand how, especially in this country, like riches in so many ways and like people are walking around without places to lay their heads. Like they've Mm -hmm. torn down a couple of the shelters in place to put pretty much bullshit, basically. Um, And it's just infuriating because all you end up doing is shuffling these people around 
to just areas where they it's actually dangerous because like they're either like almost near where the highway is or something like that and it's just not safe and I I can't understand it um at all and like I just keep seeing the population grow as the population here in Charlotte grows period but I see that and I um like I just I don't get it like I know why things are the way they are but just because I understand it doesn't mean that you know it makes me feel any less you know shitty about it because you can only do so much um it's just like the powers that be that can do so much do so little yes and it's just like it's fucking it's paper yeah. It's paper that we've given value to. Um, it's made up, motherfuckers. Like, why do we <laughs> care about this, but we don't care about real, alive humans? Right. And it's like the way that it's used to make an example of people, right? Like, it's yes. capitalism's example of, like, that's what you don't want to have happen to you. And it's just like, yeah, but why is that happening to anybody? Like, that doesn't even make sense. No. Um, it's definitely well, something that, yeah, I think requires like a lot of thought. I think that people have to look at it, you know, a lot more than what they do. Because mm-hmm. in like Denver, you know, whenever I was living in Denver and as he still lives in Denver, there has just been such an actively aggressive campaign against homeless people, like mm-hmm. for such a long time that it just has gotten to be so bad to be an unsheltered person Mm -hmm. there so working at like any kind of shelter or something like that you just see all of these like really terrible stories and people who need so much help at this point because like also they're facing jail time because they like slept somewhere (laughs) like what the fuck yeah it's wild and i think that yeah that's why i think part of why this was such an interesting episode because you see like this young girl as you said reeling from trauma right like she's somebody who obviously isn't okay and then also you know early in the story he walks past her right like Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. asks for help and he's like this isn't a good time but it's like it's definitely not a good time for her (laughs) him ignoring that is what causes you know like a lot of these bigger problems and I think that we see that in our society every day like the way that we have normalized treating unsheltered people just so badly I think has made it be acceptable to people to accept less in life and to expect worse and like you know all of the things so yeah I I think that it's like this episode it's wild for it to be like a 20 minute children's cartoon or like yeah as you said not even really a children's cartoon but cartoon that many children watched and to see something this heavy kind of be dealt with because I think that now it's a much more taboo subject almost for like children's television. It, oh, actually, yeah, I can't think of a single animated series that's for kids that, that did this besides... I mean, I guess X-Men did a little bit because they went with the Morlocks, but that's like a weird twist. <laughs> that's a bad choice. Also, they <laughs> did it very poorly. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, well, we're going to go back to our mansion. Hope you yeah, guys we have gotta a good We got to go to Christmas. our mansion that has like a huge Christmas tree and like... 40 yeah. feet around it where no things are. Like People this could is, sleep there, Charles. This is the exact opposite of the X-Men yeah, Christmas exactly. special. <laughs> See, like, Joel Osteen and then I forgot, like, oh when... Because, like, when Snorn defeats Callisto that first time they travel down there, um, she's like, yes, yeah, so you're welcome to come back to the mansion. And I just kept thinking, like, Charles definitely heard that in the mind link and, like, went ahead and, like, telepathically locked all the doors <laughs> so it was no so it was like no surprise to me that they just went back home after that because I'm like he's not letting them in 
No way, they're too ugly. He likes his. Oh, what he's pretty. Yeah, he really is. What a groovy mutation. That's what just went through my head was whenever he was like that. (laughs) And then she was like, Mystique's all like, are you kind of like grossed out by me? And he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a creep. (laughs) Oh, right. That's right. Oh, I know his porn hub looks ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I just. (laughs) What did I do wrong in my life to deserve this? Uh, it would have been it would have yes. made its way on the timeline soon yeah what am i saying i want you to tell me these horrible things <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> oh my gosh are you ready to shop rakuten's big give week is back get 15 percent back at hundreds of stores and it's all happening this week may 6th to may 13th it's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The other piece that I always think about when I when we're talking about homelessness is like the intersections of homelessness. And um, I've done a decent amount of reporting. And what I wanted to do was just go out and talk to people who are unhoused about their experiences and, and what matters to them. And nobody asks. Like every interview I had went for two to three hours. And I had 30 minutes. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to sit here because no one's listening to you. Yeah. And to hear women talk about having partners who beat them and they left and they lost everything, but they left because they valued themselves. To hear queer people and queer children talk about they had the audacity to exist and trans children in particular and trans children of color. And and, and you look at all these, these intersections and it's homelessness is really the thing that impacts all of our communities. And, and it's not the only thing, but it is one of them. And it is so important Because when I look at permafrost, I don't just think like, oh, look at this like white girl who, you know, lost her family, which is one thing. I look at if her stepfather would walk out on her, did he hurt her? It looked like he hurt her mom. She flinched when he was there. Was she queer? Like, did they know she was queer and that's why he left? Any world where homelessness is your best option is a fucked world. And the truth is for so many people who are unhoused, That's the truth. It is safer to be 
unsafe, to be out in the elements, to be with other people who choose their lives over living the way that straight people want them to, that men want them to. There is a safety there. And how sad that we make people exchange one form of security for another. What the fuck, right? Like, you look at our society on paper and like, what the fuck is like all I can say, you know? Like, this is so far from what the point is, you know? It really pisses me off. Like, it angers me because it doesn't have to be that way. But it is because you can just take whatever guilt or responsibility and put it on something else be it, um, you know, through your religion, by repenting or whatever, or just society standards because, well, this person didn't do what they were supposed to do. So just write them off, like writing people off like fucking taxes or whatever. I just um, I can't understand it. I just like for the life of me cannot understand that way of thinking. Like, how does that not fuck with you? It's not even a thing of if this were to happen to me. How would I want somebody to react to it? It shouldn't even be that. It should just be like, yo, this is another human. They are just as, um, you know, deserving of basic human needs as me, regardless of um, their mental state, their sexual orientation, any of that. Like, it's just all it like none of none of that shit just make, it makes no sense. All these fucking constructs just to be terrible to one another. Like yeah. it just bog it just boggles my mind. Like how do you how do you sleep well at night? Like I don't was, know how anybody can sleep well at night. Um, you know, they have a child that is on the street because they were upset that this child wasn't who they wanted them to be. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like personally, as someone who has brought life into this world, I would do anything to make sure that that life continues, regardless. Like I will fight a bear. So I can't even imagine if my child were to come to me and say something that was not along the lines of whatever society wanted and me saying, well, guess I'm discarding you. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Before even becoming a mom, I didn't understand it. But now being a mom, like, I just, um, I don't know how you could at all be at peace with yourself. Like, you are shitty. And I am not afraid to say it. Like, you... You should ride in hell. And I don't even like to think that hell exists, but no, no, no. You definitely should go there because like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? It's been proven so many times that literally it costs more <laughs> to like keep Ugh. people homeless and yes. stuff like that. So it's just, I mean, all I can say is, is that it's just a control tactic mm -hmm. for populace basically. And to like give people something where they're like, well, I work, that person doesn't work. And like all of that, which is always just like. Well, and it, it keeps us all aimed at each other. Like yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, I don't, my understandings of homelessness have changed vastly over the last 10 years. The way that I grew up, I grew up very poor and didn't even realize that I had been homeless until like, like a fucking month ago. I was like, oh, that, oh shit. Like I didn't have anywhere to go. That is homelessness. Wow. Never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. And, but like I was trained to think of, of homeless people and housed people as, as leeches on society. I was trained to think of like, oh, I'm not like them. I might be poor, but I'm working poor. I'm not like them, which is like so fucked because we know many, if I think it, I don't know the statistics anymore, but like a high number of the people who experience homelessness are working. Yep. They're working their asses off and they can't make ends meet because in our country, there is nowhere that you can live on minimum wage. 
in a studio. Like, are you fucking kidding me? We're still playing this moralistic game with people's lives when we know the equations don't work. We know things don't add up. We know that financial abuse is a thing that happens to women because they can't get away from men because they can't afford to. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Heads in the sand. I mean, that is essentially what it is. And unfortunately, because it is indoctrinating us to go about our self-esteem is something as simple as, well, you could raise that if you look at this one person and see what their lives are, what they're doing, make yourself feel better. Like a lot, like it's just so wild to me that a lot of that just kind of taught like from a very, 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 very early age that a quick way to feel better about yourself is to look at someone else's situation like, well, it's not me, which is fucked. (laughs) like I again like I just don't really understand how I mean I do get it I mean not get it but like I I know why but just personally um it's just even still something I've always struggled with like how how does that make you feel better as a person like what does that do for you to be in your car not make eye contact with this person that is um you know on the side of the road or walking in between cars asking for help and even if you're worried if their person is going to use the funds for whatever you think is okay like fuck off like (laughs) you're gonna give or you're not um because let me tell you something if i was on the street like if i wanted to go get um a dollar beer or whatever the fuck to get like i'm on the street yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like you're gonna go home and sip your wine or whatever in your warm house but like what the fuck do you expect me to do Am I going to start a LLC with the two dollars that you've given me? Like, no come, like what the hell? It'll be really cold and stuff too. <laughs> like, <laughs> drinking is something that people do. I mean, you know, I'm in like the frigid part of the Midwest right now, and drinking is something people do to keep warm all of the time. So, and it's just like people survived the Titanic by drinking a bunch, um, yeah. and then falling into cold ocean water, but not dying because they drank. So, okay, yeah, I did I not know, know that. That is a wild fact. I think it's only like one guy who just wasn't even going to try. Like the second the boat started going down while everybody was running around being like, oh, my God, get me off this boat. He was like, I'm not going to be able to get off this boat, I don't think. So he just started like getting <laughs> shwasted. Um That's how you survive <laughs> the apocalypse, it turns out. Yeah. And he was like, I mean, from what I understand, he was like throwing pieces of furniture out to people and shit like that, too. So he was Aww. like trying to help like while the boat was literally going into the ocean. <laughs> And then somehow this this guy survived. And maybe that's instant karma. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, hey. hey everybody, did you know that there is a Patreon for this podcast? And the podcast always needs donations and more viewers and listeners and supporters. So you can sign up for us. <laughs> Just us in general at www.patreon.com slash bitches on comics, which you cannot search. P.S. Just so you know, it has to be slash bitches on comics. You got to type it in. You've got to do that extra work. But sometimes going the extra mile, it's for the best. It helps you feel good. It helps you feel like you've really accomplished something. And that's what we want to help you with today. (laughs) 
Do you all want to talk about um, what happens in this episode? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <yes>. Let's <laughs> just have a very long conversation about themes, which is great. Yeah, no, we need to. I don't know. It's the same as whenever somebody talks about you know, school lunches or something like that. Whenever people are like, oh, like, well, then like their parents should learn responsibility or something. I'm just like, I was a kid that went hungry. So when you say stuff like that, it like burns me in my heart because it's like saying that the worst things that ever happened to me, like should have happened to me, you know? And I think that that's really gross. And this episode made me feel really good because I was just like, yeah, that's not the message at all. Like he reaches out. And then also nobody lies, right? Like Mm -hmm. at the end, he's like, is she going to be okay? And he's like, I don't know. Like, Mm. I really don't know. She's been through hell. Like, No, I love that though, because it's real. And it's not real in a a way like, let's have this depressing ending because, you know, life is shitty. But no, it's real in a way like, no, I legitimately do not know because she has been through so much that is going to take time. Like, it's just not going to get fixed in this one episode because you've talked to her and you know her story or any of that. Like, we we don't know. But just because we don't know doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And I really love that message. Yeah. It's a double-edged message, right? Like, it's a message of hope. Like, no, we're not going to tell you she's going to not be okay. But it's also a message of responsibility of, like, Mm -hmm. she's not going to just be okay. Like, there's a role to play in that. Like, our society has to heal ourselves if we're going to take care of people. And, yeah. and, and that's like a, a conversation that is really hard for a lot of people. And a lot of the people that I grew up with, I know with you, Sarah, the folks you grew up with, even the folks you live around now, like there's so much of that pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There's so much of that. I did it. Why can't you? And, you know, never thinking about like, well, what about all the times people helped you? <laughs> like, right. right. Uh, hello. And it's hard to sit and watch something like this that is almost 20 years old, that is so hopeful, is so real is willing to hold like our hero to account and and then to be like, oh, I can't think of another time that this was this real, right. in comics at least. And I've legitimately tried to think of it because I've been, of course, watching a lot of animated shows that are geared towards children. And I have not come across the episode yet in the many things that my son watches and also me too, low-key, that uh, had the same type of message or even just like this level of nuance. Also, I don't even know if I recall any other episodes of anything that actually talks about unsheltered people. Like I legitimately can't think of any other cartoons. If y'all can, please let us know because I would like to know, but I I haven't come across anything. The only time I can think about it is like in The Punisher, the live action one, Frank dresses up like a homeless guy to go meet someone, but he's just posing as one. And it's just like, right. ew. Like, gross. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this episode, to, to Sarah's point, uh, listeners, this episode is is pretty much, you know, it's the holidays. We kick off. Virgil's at a Hanukkah party. It's, like, adorable. Uh, a girl is mad at him. I don't know. Are they dating? I don't know, but it's cute. Pretty cute. Pretty cute. <laughs> we like it. He knows that he's getting some ice off of her. He's like, okay, my bad. Oh, and then isn't it, like, her grandma's just like, meet this nice Jewish boy oh or something God, like yeah. that. And, sh- and she gives the look, like... All right. That was so cute. I was like, well, she's either into Virgil or she's gay. So, like, either way, I'm here for it. (laughs) Either way, it works for me. Great. 
And Virgil's like really concerned about like all these like social events he's got to go to. He's a little stressed out about it. And he's like, I can't be a superhero and do this. And his friend who is his sidekick and also his publicist is <laughs> like, I signed you up to light the tree. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he's, he's like, like that's just super deal. heroics, baby. Like he's totally just like... Get out there and do it. I got to check for this. 80s business guy wheeling and dealing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, that's the price you pay for being famous. And it's just like, what, dude? Like, He's kind of a dick in this episode, but he's yeah. cute in some of the other ones. So Sure, yeah. I'm a dick at Christmas, too, so I'll give him like a little bit of a pass. Yeah. And then Virgil's at the mall shopping for a gift, I think. That makes sense. And then a snowstorm happens inside the mall. That is surprisingly similar to when the Sentinels break into the mall at the beginning of X-Men. Yes. The mall was so important in the early aughts. And it's like nighttime, too. It's like, how long are y'all shopping? (laughs) In both episodes. (laughs) (laughs) You killed me. I I can't go on. Yeah, and then there's a snowstorm, and then everyone's like, oh, snow, oh, snow, and then the power goes out, and then they're like, oh, snow, oh, snow, and it's like, it's winter, and they're like, but there shouldn't be any snow, and then they're like, oh, what could be happening? Oh, surprise, there's a metahuman named Permafrost, as Sarah said, and she is so cute, and I love when he's looking for her, and he goes, have you seen a a girl with, like, light blue skin? (laughs) Like, you would remember that, right? Like, his jokes are good, too. Like, that's something to never forget about this show is is that his one-liners, they're kind of under his breath. He's kind of like, um, hmm, here's my clever joke. But nobody around him ever gets them. (laughs) Like, so I like his humor. I do. I do, too. I was like... Well done, Virgil. You're funny. I like you. And and his power set is he's an electrokinetic. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I love his little saucer he flies around on. I'm like, oh, my God, so cute. So cute. Uh, You know, he's just being cute. He's got those big goggles. He's very, like, bright costume. Cuteness all Hey, watch the gear. (laughs) Oh. Uh. Too cute. So he goes and he, like, unburies the electric stuff. (laughs) I don't know the words for these things. But (laughs) But it's like, yeah, sure, it's power. It's electric. Yeah, he can do it. All yeah, of that works. It. That's fine. <laughs> we're like, check, check, check. Yeah. Uh, we, we're fine with that. We're fine with that. We're fine with that. <laughs> Magneto in the Silver Age. Got it. Like, <laughs> magnetism does everything. Fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. Magnetism. Very important. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then he, like, sees her and he's like, little girl, what are you doing here? And she's, like, very disoriented, right? Like, part of it is, like, she's going through these episodes where she's being triggered. She obviously has PTSD, and she's, like, unable to really know what was happening around her. Does that sound right to y'all? Yeah. I mean, she has, like, a slightly distorted perception, right, because of all of the horrific (laughs) problems in her life, mostly. Yeah, and then she does another snowstorm somewhere, and Stag Shock's like, everyone's going to be so mad at me if I'm not at this thing and that thing and this thing. And then he remembers he's supposed to go to church, and he's like, oh, my God, my dad's (laughs) going to be so mad at me. And then he, like, talks to the minister or the priest. I wasn't sure what faith he was part of. Right. And and they're like, we're having an interdenominational service. And I'm, like, weeping. I'm just like, oh, my God. That's so beautiful. I can't even imagine one right now. <laughs> Which isn't fair. Actually, the mosque near my house, they always do interfaith stuff. But yeah, I, it's hard to imagine a Christian group hosting one at this moment in time. <laughs> Forgive me, Christians listening. I'm just being honest. Yeah. They know. They, you know. <laughs> you know. It's your faith. You know. 
<laughs> um, then what happens? He goes underground. Why is he underground? Because I think he's like chasing after her, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> like I should know. I've watched this many times. <laughs> but there's kind of a break, right? He's like, dang, I should oh, you're care right. more. <laughs> dang. And then he goes and finds her by her. Doesn't she do the snowstorm thing again? She I does. Think so. Yeah. She does it like three or four times. She has like different yeah. snowstorms. And they're so cool. They like look, the animation's really cool for them. Like, And we've seen the flashbacks with her too. Mm-hmm. So in the flashback, she's A, she currently has a photo that has her dad ripped entirely out of the photo. Uh, her mom was sick and her dad appeared to be an ominous presence in her life. And uh, Child Protective Services came to take her and she dropped the Christmas ornament that Ugh. her mom gave her before she passed away and then ran away from Child Protective Services, as many children do. And yeah, she's in a terrible position. And yeah, Virgil has to kind of own up to the fact that maybe he could reach out a little bit more. Yeah, because like there's a while where they're like ships passing in the night and he like finds her photo in her like lair, which right. is just like so cute. It's just like an ice room where she's made herself a beautiful like four post bed and she made a frame for her photo. And it's clear she actually has a really amazing command of her powers, right? Which like that's one yeah. of the themes of new people with powers, particularly metahumans, is they can't control it. She doesn't freeze the people, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever they're in the mall, like she freezes the mall, not anything that's you know, she almost accidentally causes a tree to fall on somebody, but her command of her powers isn't really what caused that. It was more like her disorientation. Right, which is like an interesting juxtaposition. You know, it's not that she's out of control because her powers are making her out of control, which is a very common theme with characters who are women in comics and have powers, mm-hmm. right? Like how many times have we seen a woman defeated by her own powers? She just can't control. This is not that. It is— Jean Grey. Jean Grey, uh, Wonder Woman. Like, who even fucking knows? All of them. Pretty much everyone. Check, check, check. Jean Grey, like, 90 times, though. (laughs) Seriously. Jean Grey trips over an extension cord in that one episode where I think Mojo, the Mojo purse or whatever. And I'm like, how does a telepathic (laughs) trip over an extension cord while running away? (laughs) Giggle, giggle, hair flip. Um, This is what I wish is just that, like, if they were going to commit, you know, it's like the same with, like, Invisible Woman and uh, the Silver Age, whenever she would just get distracted and (laughs) go do other stuff for a minute. I just wish that if they were going to write Empowered Jean Grey and Empowered Sue Storm, that they would just, like, call back to that sometimes and be like, yeah, Jean Grey is really kind. She's nice to everybody. There's all of this power behind her, but also sometimes she trips over, like, the extension cord. (laughs) Right, like, there's a way to do it that is like she has flaws because she's yeah, alive. Like yeah. we're having fun with her, you know. Versus like, like this, like different. women can't handle power, exactly. Which is like yeah. what so much of it reads as. And so with permafrost, it's like we're introduced to her as a metahuman who cannot handle her powers. But then it's troubled as the story unfolds, and we're like, oh my god, she right. has an amazing command. Look at like the intricate nature of this, like 
picture frame she created. Yeah. So, you know, and then Static Shock takes the picture because he's like, I got to figure out who she is, which is like, dude, don't take an unhoused person's one piece of property. Oh, yeah, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but then again, he didn't have a, a cell phone in his pocket to take a picture. And he so. does it for good, so it's and, fine. And he but. apologizes and he gives it back to her when she confronts him. I love how that confrontation goes down. Same. She's like freaking out and she's using her powers and it's like so cool, right? And Virgil's just like, no, my bad. I'm, I'm so sorry. Let me give this back to you like we don't have to do this and i just love that he leads with empathy yes the Mm -hmm. de-escalation a hundred percent yeah yeah i love how whenever she goes nobody cares and he's like pulling himself out of like a snowbank and he's like (laughs) i care okay (laughs) like i'm climbing out of a snowbank right now like i'm gonna cry that's such a cute moment it really is. I thought it was really sweet. I definitely cried during this episode oh, like, rewatching it. Every time oh, yeah. I cry. Yeah. Especially um when he's like, you know, I've lost my mom too and they have oh, they find out that they have that connection and it's just like You just see, see her soften. You know, you just see her face. See what happens when you actually talk to people. Yeah. Like to treat someone like there might be a reason they're freaking the fuck out. Like, there's a reason she's freaking the fuck out. And it's because he's triggered all of her trauma. He's taken her one photo of her mom she has, her one possession. Yeah, in her shoes, I would also cause a crazy blizzard because I would be flipping shit. And he's like, yes, reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you're like hungry and cold and like everybody is just walking past you with armfuls of like gifts and stuff like that. Yeah, one can only imagine the emotional duress. It's just too much. Too much goodness, just like, you know, they just have this sweet resolution. The two of them. You're absolutely right. The end of the episode is very much like, I don't know. It has like an after school special feel, but it's genuine. So it's not preachy and it's not weird. But it's almost like when they look at the camera, they're like, I don't know, will she? And like, that's like part of what I think is so powerful about this is it is a call to action. I don't know how you could watch this episode and not either change your beliefs around people who experience homelessness or get involved or double down or whatever. But there's just so much real human emotion and empathy and and vulnerability on display in this episode and it's just like yes fuck yes this is what we should be doing with with superheroes with animated series when we talk about homelessness when we talk about any of the the ways people are actively disenfranchised by our society you know and it's just like my heart's all warm and (laughs) I was telling Steph before we started recording I was like I was expecting to giggle and make fun of it and instead I love it it's amazing I think I'll watch it every year See, like, I love how, um, like, the last couple times I've been on here, like, I've suggested things that are, like, so far removed from, you know, my usual, like, I want to, you know, laugh and good question, make jokes and stuff like that. And it's been, like, really serious <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and I'm, like, I feel like I'm falling right into the trope of comedians where it's, like, no, no, no. But those are just, like, the most serious people. Um <laughs> And that's why, you know, they're able to find humor. But yeah, like mm-hmm. I this episode is just so it's master storytelling to me. Um Hell yes. I think a lot of what Dwayne McDuffie did was just a lot of master storytelling and I just wish that he were still alive for many reasons. But could you imagine an MCU movie or even a DC movie, like live action where he wrote it and like yeah, actually have superheroes having um, these these types of moments on the big screen. Yeah. 
Now I'm just so sad. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm. Well, so, so Steph, you'll have to do it. I will have to do it. I will have to I'm carry sorry. the torch. Um, You've been called. <laughs> but like he's influenced a lot of just how I view um, like this genre and like these characters. And I get so mad sometimes where, you know, folks kind of like reduce it down to it being an extension of the military complex. And I'm just like, but right. no, it's not that. It's just the it's just the MCU or like whatever else you've been watching. But it's literally not that at all like right. comics were not birthed to be like this extension of um you know military power or even state level power it's nothing like that like these are people who have these gifts and they are human so they're going to make mistakes but the importance is is that they're they're trying mm-hmm. yeah when that article came out about the producer writer showrunner of the boys who was like Superheroes are inherently fascist. Everyone's oh, just like Lord. throwing their computers across the room. <laughs> and I was like, uh, as long as I have known about comic books and the X-Men and everything, they have always been queer to me. They have yeah. always been about, you know, the double identity, the negotiating a new secret cool power you have, which is like banging ladies or banging dudes or banging MBs, whatever. Like that's pretty cool power. And you have to hide it though because you could get like killed or like, you know, disowned or whatever and you don't know. And and I've seen so many people talk about it as like a million other things, right? Like Jewish identity or all kinds of different pieces. And it's just like, yes, some superhero stories are about the military complex, but damn it, people, let's have some nuance. Let's have some <laughs> some specificity. Like you don't have to try and talk about everything in every breath. I am learning that and I'm I think I'm doing better. <laughs> but I would like to challenge everyone else to rise to my level. Well, I mean, also superhero comics were created by like two Jewish kids who exactly. were writing mm-hmm. stories about Superman taking corporate criminals out, you know? So like, I am always just like, no, because even if you go back to the very beginning, it wasn't really about that. Also, if you're on a show like The Boys, I mean, that's kind of about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's all about what if superheroes are bad, actually. So you know, there's room for that, obviously, but like, cool. it can't be the only conversation around it because, I mean, you can't discount the genuinely diverse crowd of people that reads comics. And, <laughs> that, and, like, I, and it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I think that's why um, for like the boys and other shows that kind of explore that, I get just a tad bit annoyed because it's just like, okay, but you are exploring this through a cishet white male lens. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like, yeah, like, yo, this is a fine conversation, but like, let's not put this on the entire thing because I'm just someone who's like, hey, not everybody's had their fair go at this. So let's like pump the brakes a little exactly. bit and come back. Cause like, yeah, sure. You know, this is valid in these ways, but also like, please be quiet because you are annoyed with the, um, you know, whole superhero drama and all that because you've just been reading comics by certain folks. Mm, yeah, I was just going to say that's why <laughs> Doom Patrol is a better show than The Boys. But okay. <laughs> just going to go ahead and lay my cards out on the table on that one. I am and going to agree. Lie. I don't know how <laughs> poker works, so I'm not going to lay my cards. I'm going to up the ante. What? I don't know. Does that work? <laughs> This is actually a poker podcast, so I wish that you would have read up about it a little bit. Um, Damn it! <laughs> no, I was going to say, because 
Doom Patrol is all about the outsider, right? And like, there's so many comics that are all about outsiders and people who just don't fit in. I think it gets you in a different place, right? Watching the boys, I'm kind of just like, oh, (laughs) like that's kind of my response to a lot of it. But my response to Doom Patrol is more like, I'm going to laugh, but then I'm going to cry. And then I'm going to laugh again. And then I'm going to cry again. And then I'm going to hold myself and rock after I watch the Jane episodes. Oh, and I'm going to like love myself so much because so much of Doom Patrol is just forgiveness and like not hating yourself and like forgiving yourself for all of these terrible things that you have been through and that sometimes you've done because God knows we don't always do the right Mm -hmm. thing regardless of how good our intentions might be. It's a show about good intentions gone wrong more than The Boys, which is just like, nah, these are like some fascists. (laughs) Like They're like kind of scary. Right. And I think the reason people were frustrated is the term inherent. When the creator said that, or, with the right, right. or whatever. It's like, dude, come on. You don't get to say what everything is inherently. Like, I know like, you're used to. Words mean things. <laughs> yes. Yes. things. Yes. Use them properly, please. Especially if you're going to, like, go out there and make a claim like that. Like, yeah. whenever I make, like, a blanket claim, I'm like, oh, here's an asterisk. Here's three more caveats. Here's, you know, Because like, I'm like, wait, not in this situation. Wait, not in this one. Okay, actually, you know what? And then I'm like, you know, I don't even know what I wanted to say. So just erase yeah. it. Delete, 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 delete. Yeah. I'm having a lot of that lately because I'm trying to, like, remember, like, wait, generalizing isn't, you know, let's put some specifics on this. And sometimes it's hard to do, but... Um, I totally get that. Also, I read that comment because <laughs> I don't let myself in curiosity get the best of me. <laughs> and oh, yeah. oh my lord. It is yeah. um garbage. Um, I don't even know. I like I don't yeah. even know how it was picked up. Like I understand conceptually how the, you know, execs or whatever, like, oh yeah, like this could be a really great idea because, you know, MCU is big and like let's go in the opposite direction and people will feed into that or whatever. But the actual comic itself is hot ass, racist, misogynistic garbage. Yeah, it truly um, is. And it really just pisses me off too, because again, like you have this take this one take that folks still like end up generalizing for all of superhero comics it's like no this is this one white guy um (laughs) who's been reading nothing but other white guys um, yeah who's like i don't even like read comics that much because i mostly want to read things that aren't comics which is like fine (laughs) great i'm not mad at that but don't make the comic book show right It's like, I get it because I'm like, I know that some people are kind of edgelords. I should like stop talking because I'm insulting like literally everybody who likes the boys. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I do like it. Yeah, it's good in a way. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you mean, though. <laughs> Where it's like, it. I like this, but I hate it's okay. it. okay. <laughs> I hate yeah. it so much. But... I think it does something interesting, right? Like it's it's trying to do something that I, I have respect for and I think mm-hmm. is an interesting idea. I've just seen queer people do it better. <laughs> Dreadnought is yeah. a better critique of superheroes. We published a couple stories with Decoded Pride that, in my uh, opinion, better yes. interrogations of superheroes. Do we all have to be the boys? Do we all have to agree? No, I love nuance. I get why people like the boys. I found it highly bingeable. I get it. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I was like, like when I drink Diet Coke, I don't want it. I don't so want that in my mouth. a little bit of that, af- that aftertaste. 
Also, um, to have like a character like Stormfront and to watch that show just after the summer that we oh had, God. it was just, it was a bit much. Um, yeah. It was a bit too much, actually. And I'm just like, you know, I guess y'all, but... <laughs> That I mean, side speaks just like you don't like even that, know. <sighs> that episode. It just um, I get it, and I understand why that character is, and I know what it's speaking to, and I appreciate some of the stuff that it is speaking to. But also at the same time, I'm just like I want y'all to understand that when you have other folks who are watching your shows, um, and I know you can't control everything, but like some of us are like having to deal with a lot of trauma while trying like our escapism like it's still trauma filled and yeah it just kind of really sucks sometimes and I know you don't have to watch anything but I don't know like it just kind of sucks sometimes that that has to be the thing like well gotta deal with this in order to like watch the rest of the show but it's not like you know that going in right you're not like hey Steph FYI we're gonna re-traumatize you in episodes three through seven it's gonna be fine but you're just gonna have to do it in which case you could say yes I opt into this Mm -hmm. but it's like you're watching a normal (laughs) ass episode and then boom this shit happens I haven't seen season two because I was like I'm mad at the end of season (laughs) one I was like "Mm, I'm just mad about it I will watch it but I'm gonna wait until it doesn't help it get a new season you know like that's my way of sticking it to him I know it already has a new season I know the guy from Supernatural is gonna be in it which makes me like it even less like uh, oh Supernatural I will probably never end up watching because it's so long but woof because whatever they did that day during the election week oh my god um, with Castiel with like the queer and then so everyone I followed was like talking about it and I was like I do not watch this show the queers are mad I always need to know why the queers are mad I just feel like very out of the loop if I don't so I'm like going back through threads of people retweeting I'm like 15 deep I'm like okay here's the video (laughs) I watch the video and I'm just like it's just as bad as everyone said it was it literally looks like the brother is gonna like say it a slur at the gay angel who's dying for him. And you're just like, this is like barrier gaze and send them to super hell is what I read someone say. And I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what it was. (laughs) Yeah. Supernatural. (laughs) That's what I know about the show. (laughs) I just had a conversation about Bly Manor because Monica and I both watched it. And then Monica was talking about like Hannah dies. So she wrote that article that was Flowers for Hannah Gross, which is just her talking about how there's this black woman who then, of course, is like, she's so great. And then she dies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then (laughs) the lesbian, too, ends up at the bottom of a lake for all eternity. So that was kind of intense. But also, I was torn a lot while I was watching it where I was like, I love this so much and I'm so hurt by it. (laughs) Like, it's a lot. Name of the game. There's so many layers of nuance, right? Like, I think a lot of people responded positively to Bly Manor because it wasn't an outright barrier gaze. Did queer characters die? Yes. But it wasn't kill them because they're gay. And it wasn't kill the only one because they're the only gay character. And so I think that's a really nice way you put it, Sarah. It's like you can love something and be hurt by it and it doesn't make it, quote, problematic. Mm -hmm. Is Is the killing of the black character problematic? It sounds like I haven't seen Bly Manor. Don't be mad at me. It's just that it happens in the time that it happens, Mm, right? Like, I mean, I think she has, like, this great arc and, like, she's really interesting. She's great in ways that, unfortunately, are somewhat rare on genre television. But then, yeah, it's just kind of the context of, like, what the hell has this whole ass year been, you know? (laughs) Like, other than just, like, reopening trauma for Black audiences just in general, right? So, like, 
having that kind of moment is like, yeah, I mean, if it were surrounded by a bunch of portrayals where that didn't happen, <laughs> it would be like, exactly, you know, uh, we would cry still, but it would probably not have been so devastating for some people to watch, right? So, well, yeah, I don't know. And it just sucks, though, because... Sometimes I'm watching something and like a trope or whatever will happen, but it's done very well yeah, and it is earned, but because there have been so many others that came before it (laughs) that were not earned and was so shitty, it's just kind of like, oh crap. So I'm finding myself now, um, really, I think like the last year or so, like when I'm consuming content or whatever, I'm taking in consideration more things. Um, and I mm. feel like I don't get as angry as much. Right. Because I'm like, okay, but I get, like, I understand why you did this. And like, do I like it? No. But I also understand like why you did it for your story. And, you know, I'm cool. Just like sometimes when black characters don't show up and shit, I'm just like, you know what? It's all right. We don't want to fucking be there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just leave me out. Please. Like, it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's totally okay. Or like even like a quirk character when I'm like, you know what? No, it's cool. Actually, let, let the straights have this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that happens a lot. I'm just like, (laughs) oh my God, no, just don't put us in it. It's fine. It's awkward when you do because then we find out all of these things about you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't always want to deal with it. But my view has changed too because I have to like step back on things sometimes because I was going to say in regard to tropes, like sometimes they don't even bother me anymore. Like we were talking about evil lesbian tropes and I was like, Honestly, I kind of miss it when I don't, I should not say this. Okay. I don't miss it when like every lesbian was evil. Right. But I'm like, I do miss evil lesbians sometimes because I really liked a lot of the old school evil lesbians that showed up. Like the evil lesbian vampire is like totally an influence on me, regardless of if it's like problematic or not, because it's just what I grew up with. Like that's just stuff that I saw a lot as a kid was like, yeah, well, here's the lesbian. She's gonna suck your blood or like whatever and I'm just like yeah I mean that's just how it was for a long time and we've had this like wonderful period of just so many you know a lot of times queer creators but you know even when not there's still tons of great media that has queer characters in it right now like I've just been watching queer stuff for like weeks now and I haven't run out of anything which is impressive but um so like whenever you see something like I feel like a lot of people were really upset about Ratchet right because it was like evil lesbian trope and I was just like I I kind of love that show because like (laughs) even though she is like she's evil but in like kind of a funny way and like I don't know that's problematic too but sometimes I can forgive it you know well and and especially with like Sarah Paulson playing her that gives you like oh my god it's such a different way of like presenting that character I haven't seen it but like Sarah Paulson Damn. I'll watch anything I know. I'm just like, hang me on those cheekbones. Like, Jesus Christ. She's beautiful. But like, tropes exist because Mm -hmm. they are there to help drive a story. So they're never, ever going to go away. Like, you need them. But it's just a matter of like, what care are you putting into it? Are you going to subvert it? Or could just do it better. That's all. Yeah, yeah I, I do think that's a good way of putting it, Stuff Like, tropes are part of genre in particular. They're just going to be there. And how we grapple with them, how we invert them, how we subvert them, all those things matter. Mm-hmm. But so often people just sort of stumble forward, do something just horrific, and then are like, oh, no, I did a bad. <laughs> and everyone's like, have you read an article before? <laughs> like, and here we are. We've been talking about Barrier Case. <laughs> Yeah. 
Deadpool, Ryan, Mr. Reynolds. Or that's actually not very gay. That's fridging, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. He knew like all of the pop culture stuff. And then he's like, I've never heard of fridging. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) okay. I am going to strap you to a rocket and shoot you into the sun. Like, this is why you died in the first 15 minutes of life. (laughs) (laughs) Ice cold. I love it. Well, you know, that's full circle. So we did talk about (laughs) Static Shock some. (laughs) We also talked about a million other things because, hi, welcome to Bitches on Comics, the tangent podcast. (laughs) Steph, you're my hero. It is so wonderful to have you here. Where can people find you online on social media? Well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Uh, I actually use my bio the way that is useful sometimes. Uh, there's a link tree on both of those and it directs you to all of my things. Um, Living Heroes, if you have not gotten a copy, a physical copy yet, don't fret. Um, I actually just got a ton of books today. Um, so hopefully by the time you listen to this, there will be a link up to let you know how many are left because I'll have some for immediate purchase. And then I said I wasn't doing another batch before the year was over, but that's probably a lie. So I'll probably have one for pre-orders. Um, so I don't know, like it's just been fun to be able to just kind of ship those things out. Like I really, like every time I open a box, I'm like, it's like Christmas, like Actually, I did a thing. It happened, and um, now it's in people's oh, hands. I know it's like really like surreal. I'm looking at my copy right now, Steph, and it's so beautiful and perfect, and I'm so happy. Thank you. And um, so far, like all of the, I guess, reception has been positive, which has kind of been freaking me out because I'm just like. <laughs> No, guys, nothing could be, ever be that good. Um, but so, <laughs> but so far, uh, so good. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But please know, like, even if you haven't said anything, trust me, I found every single thing that is wrong with it that I wish that I could <laughs> take back. So oh, yeah. if no one else is whooping my ass about that, trust me, I'm doing it myself. <laughs> the joy of having published work. That I was going to say, that's, that's the hallmark of an artist, right? Is like, oh, God damn it. If only I could do it's this out. differently. <laughs> and then you're just like, I hate it. Thanks. Right. Um. Like, it, and I hate that it never, like, the second, fourth, fifth drive, nothing. And then when it's <laughs> ready to go for publishing, it's like, oh, damn. That was a moment I could have fixed. But then in 10 like, years, you'll look at it and you'll be like, damn, I've got all these Marvel and DC titles behind my name. And look yeah. how good Living Heroes still was. That would be really dope. Um, But my main thing is like, I just want to make a lot of like old comic guys angry like that. Like that just really brings me joy. Uh, and I know like, <laughs> I know some of you all are really, really cool, but I'm talking about yeah. like, the, the gatekeeper ones. Like I just. The ones that aren't cool. Yeah. The, the ones that aren't cool. The meanies. Those are the ones like whenever they're upset about something, I just like the Grinch. My heart grows three times bigger. <laughs> it just brings me joy. Fueled by spite. Yes. I wrote I wrote this article that was about Hawkman and him being a wife guy. And there were so <laughs> oh many guys that got angry about it in the comments who were just like, wife guy is an emasculating term and like <laughs> totally being so mad. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. I'm a lesbian. That is the highest compliment I can possibly pay a man <laughs> is to say that he's a wife guy. Like that's all I want to see from men. <laughs> so like, I yeah, also no, feel like it was nothing's just... as emasculating as the word emasculating. <laughs> right? I know. It's like when you bring ooh. that up, then I think you're a weenie. Otherwise, we're cool. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a funny one. But I remember reading those comments and just literally laughing like Muttley the dog from like the <laughs> Hanna-Barbera cartoons. who's like rubbing his paws together and he's like, <laughs> I just like, I cracked up so much. I just, like I just was on the internet all day reading comments being like, post a new one, post a new one, drag me. It's so funny. I just imagine <laughs> like you holding your large bunny and like stroking your head and like, <laughs> like the villain in a yes, Inspector I Gadget. <laughs> Claw, yes. Sarah Claw. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, Heather, we're making the men angry again. <laughs> Because making <laughs> making men angry is fun. I'm sorry, it is. It just it brings me joy. And yeah. again, I know that whichever ones that of y'all that are actually listening to this podcast, because you should be. But if you are, that tells me that you're probably one of the good ones. Um, yeah. But please know, it just really brings me so much joy. I mean, immense joy to <laughs> make a man. <laughs> I mean, the most possible joy. <laughs> like, my life meter goes up every single time. It adds seven minutes to your life <laughs> every time. I'm going to live forever because I've clearly made a <laughs> Like, guys, every time I have a Batman take, like, some man is, like, very upset and mad. Um, which reminds me, like, it's time for me to make another, like, Bruce Batman video. Um <laughs> Yeah, you should do a Bruce and Selena doing their sex play, but not the way they think it's going to go. <laughs> oh, oh, that kind of made me happy to do. <laughs> that was so cute. I laughed a lot and I was like, get it, Selena. Get it. Oh my God. This is like the best part of my life is this podcast and is y'all. And thank you. In 2021, we're going to have a lot more stuff around. We haven't told her that yet. I just decided. So, I mean, um, I already assumed in my mind. So it's <laughs> Oh my god. Well, you know, we're mind. I'm not one black character and then sitcoms that like just shows up. It's just like, oh hey, best friend. Yeah, we haven't seen you for some of the season, but you're back now. <laughs> like it's not February, but you're here. Terrible things are funny. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I mean, <laughs> these things exist and the way that I've gone about dealing with them is just to make funnies about them because they're funny. Yeah, you can yeah. cry or laugh and I'm going to choose to laugh most of the time. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, Sometimes I laugh I and then cry. Sometimes I cry while I'm laughing. You know, it all works out. I'm like, let's not discount the incredible amount of joy I feel when I cry. Um, right? But <laughs> <laughs> laughing is fun too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listeners, thanks for joining us. Steph and I are going to go laugh. Sarah's going to have a good cry. And uh, happy holidays. Join us next week. We're going to be talking about the Batman animated specials. And none of them are as good as Static Shock. But <laughs> the episode is mm. funny because we giggle a lot. Thanks for being here, folks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that was the most languid goodbye I was like gonna jump in and be like I don't know the Harley Ivy one was kind of good <laughs> oh yeah the Harley Ivy one was great well they'll hear it yeah it's true we 
are a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.